This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. One of the headlines getting a lot of talk today is this polling done by Leger, revealing a large number of us believe in conspiracy theories. At least 5% of us are flat earthers. 11% think the moon landing was a hoax. And a third of us believe aliens are making contact here and no one is telling us, right? 79% of Canadians believe in at least uh, one of the list's conspiracy theories. And uh, the most popular among 55% of Canadians is this notion that the mainstream media is manipulating the information. And you say, yes, they are. Well, I'm part of that, and I'm not manipulating anything, but it is a big problem, no question about it. There's a bunch more to this, but let's dig into it with uh, Jeffrey Dvorkin, author of Trusting the News in a Digital Age. Of course, he's a former journalism director over at the University of Toronto Scarborough. Good morning to you. Hello there. Oh, boy, the challenges never, never stop, right? Never stop. <laughs> the, the fun never starts. Oh, it's just the challenges. So it's some interesting things when you look at it. A third of us uh, don't believe uh, the official story of who killed President Kennedy. Um, a third believe Princess Di was assassinated instead of, um, you know, this crash. And a third of us believe that the government is holding this known, back, uh, this known cure for cancer. So there's some interesting things there. Um, I, I, those ones are different. Was there one that stuck out here for you that was really kind of off, off the wall? Well, in fact, I think not much has changed over the past, I don't know, 20 years. There always has been a tendency, in my opinion, for people to want to make sense of the world, obviously, and they want to do it in a way that is... Uh, without prejudging it, it makes it comprehensive and, and simplifies. And we are now living at a time of tremendous change and, and turmoil. And people are looking around and saying, what the heck is going on? And they want some explanation. I think one of the things that, that concerns me, uh, for obvious reasons, is the fact that people think that the media is manipulating the facts. Yeah. Um, and I, I, when I was teaching, I've just retired from U of T Scarborough. When I was teaching, you know, uh, first year students, wonderful, wonderful, smart people, but they also have kind of bought into this. And some of this is partly because they get it from their families. Uncle, Uncle Fred said, did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sort of thing. But I think that one of the things that where we, uh, teachers and journalists, other academics have been remiss is that we have, I've been thinking about this a little bit, I think we need to put the human factor back in the humanities. We have been so overwhelmed by technology Mm. that we have let this slip out of our fingers. And we have have not been transparent enough or clear enough about how we do things and why we do things. And I think one of the things that occurred to me, for my sins, I spent uh, seven years as the public editor at National Public Radio in the States. 
And this was back in the early 2000s. And even then, people are saying, well, what are you holding back? And, and my job was to say, well, I don't think what we're doing is holding anything back. What we're trying to do is contextualize. And that process of helping people understand how journalism makes the choices that it does will help to clarify people's sense of being abandoned by the media. Yeah, I, look, I think social media was probably the um, one of the, the big, uh, you know, killers of trust. I did. The second you see, you know, reporters and journalists on, you know, Twitter, let's say, or anything giving an opinion, it's like you, you've you've kind of just like don't, you know, and everyone started to do that. And then you get the confusion. Like I used to be in news doing journalism. Now I do editorial. Um, right. You know, we could probably do better jobs of here's, you know, and I tell people that's not what I do now, but I use that experience in, in editorializing opinions now. But I, I think social media was the biggest um, mistake a journalist made of, of getting on there because it became much more than here's my story at six. It became, well, no, it was a raucous crowd. They didn't really like Trump, but here's my story. And then you've just put, inserted your bias. And I just think um, a little too much of that was at play. Well, I think you're right. And I think one of the problems has been the economics of journalism. Yeah, it's right. a lot cheaper to pop someone in studio and to go on for a couple of hours. I'm not, not I'm not looking at you. No, no, I, I look, I, local you know, markets have been gutted. Um, it's, it's, you know, we have cor- foreign correspondents. A lot of our best and informed have, have either died, passed away or, or they're laid off, you know, like CBC is going to lay off 700 today. I just don't know how we get back to it. And I'm not sure how you fix it. If it can well, be fixed. I, I think it, it, it is it is fixable. I'm I have to be a little bit optimistic here, and I think it's fixable by doing less but doing it better. Yeah, don't be um, first. I, be right. And I think exactly. And I think one of the problems has always been. I mean, last winter I can't remember what the story was, but I was being interviewed by four different television news programs, and I had four vans lined up outside my house. <laughs> to interview me. And I asked them, I said, how many stories a day are you doing? And one camera person said, well, I'm lucky if I'm only doing five. Mm. And I said, have you ever asked your assignment editor for a couple of days to do a story? And, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm that laughing. Was, I'm sorry. That's exactly, yeah. the, res- that's exactly the response yeah. I got. Yeah. And I think that one of these things, one of the things that we may have to think about um, is how do we do a better job, but do do more contextualization so that not every story has value or equivalence. I mean, if we, what we've ended up doing is I call it the low hanging fruit Mm. of weather, traffic and crime. And partly it's because of American consultants. (laughs) Well, (laughs) don't get me going on that. Well, you can't get me going on that. Um, I think one of the things that has bothered media management is the impression that we don't have credentials like doctors and lawyers. So we need a veneer of scientism in order to give us legitimacy. And I think that's nonsense. Yeah, I do too. Uh, You know, you're as good as your your story and and you you earn your stripes. And when people trust you, they trust you. And and it takes time. And the thing is, once, once, as you know, we get good at what we do in some life perspective, a lot of, you know, you become too old for the business and then they replace you with someone cheaper and younger. And with green and with green hair too, yes, or whatever, or you know, they're teaching <laughs> activism in a lot of journalist schools, which is against the very, very, you know, the basics of. So, as long as schools and and journalism is seen to be allowing opinions or activism in, and that is a really dangerous direction that it's going in, I I don't but, think you get trust back. 
I not not to mention you. AI, by the way. Well, that's that is going to be the 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 coup de grace of uh, of what's happened. Digital sort of laid us low, and now AI is going to finish us off. Yeah, I I, I think I have another twenty years. Well, I have another. I've got a few more years on the planet. I'm not sure how how long I, I have before I'm replacing the business, but. Uh, but it is, it's a, it's a tough thing, but you see these polls and you see the distrust and it really is a, it is a shame because it's, it is dangerous, right? I mean, well, we have people the, doing denial with Holocaust and all the rest of it. It's just... And part of the problem is that the digital culture has meant that uh, Joe Blog's opinion is as good as uh, a PhD in neurochemistry. And putting an opinion out there on the internet has a certain quality of, of legitimacy. And that means that we have now downgraded, or the digital culture has downgraded, the idea of expertise so that people are allowed and should be allowed to freely criticize, but there is no context to any of these criticisms. So that's where, that's where we're at. Uh, the digital culture and AI is coming to do this, is undermining uh, journalism, media, government, religion, and education. And so that's the dilemma we're in. What what you have to do, yeah. <laughs> pardon pardon me for making this suggestion, <laughs> is uh, helping helping the audience understand why you're doing a story the, the way you're doing it. They, they they're really hungry to know this. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. We have smart listeners here, so we're, we're lucky that they're curious for more. But yeah, it is putting a face to the story, and why does it matter? Why do I care? And uh, exactly, I that's exactly. Right. I would have passed your course, sir. I, I, I would give you full marks. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Jeffrey. We'll talk again. My pleasure. There Cheers. Jeffrey uh, Dvorkin joining us here. Trusting the news in a digital age, it's so difficult. It is, I get it. We're not perfect. And uh, lots of mistakes have been made. I do not know how we're going to deal with AI, though. That is a scary one.